Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome in everybody. This show is Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. And as always, I am joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Man, I'm good. Can't complain. How are you? Doing well. You know, it's it's. I feel like we've been kind of in Columbus with this weather. You know, it's been really warm. Then all of a sudden it starts raining a bunch again. Then it gets really warm again. And it's like, I know it's only May, but I'm just really, really just, I just wanted to get to summer. Because then we're one step closer to fall, and I'm gonna enjoy them. I'm gonna enjoy my summer, but we're at the halfway point. It's almost back. It's almost here. Yeah, um, especially because you know you mentioned Ohio, where we are, at, and a lot of our listeners are, at, although Buckeye fans are nationwide, we know that Ohio. Uh, does not get a true spring. So we're just suffering through full winter and the occasional summer day that gets ruined uh, by winter the next day. So it's like, yeah, I need summer. I need consistent good weather. Uh, I can handle some rain, but I don't like the rain when it's like 55 and windy. Um, yeah. If it's going to rain, at least give me 70, you know, like something. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's definitely nitpicky, you know, it's getting warmer. I understand that, but like, let's just settle. Let's settle into sunshine. You know, I'm, I'm okay with clouds, but like, let's settle in, let's settle in. <laughs> And let's have some fun. It's summer, you know, not yet officially, but it's, it's, it's May. Like it's supposed to be warm out. Need that, need that immediately, but it is never, it's just inconsistent. Ohio weather, man. Yeah, honestly, it's just like before I moved out to Ohio for school, I I thought everyone was really just like over exaggerating it. But then like the longer you live here, you're just like, yeah, no, this is what to, this is what you should expect every Every single January through May. Yeah, 100%. 100%. The only thing that's consistent about spring in Ohio is that it's 
always beautiful the week before my birthday, and it's always crappy on my birthday. That is a bet. That's a bet. Like if 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 predicting the weather on my birthday was the lottery, I'd be a millionaire <laughs> uh, because it's always bad and it's always beautiful the week before. Well, let's hope. Let's hope this year it breaks that trend. Uh, just no. My birthday already passed. It was dreadful. Oh yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, foggy brain. Uh, a lot going on. Um, yeah, we, we both already had our birthdays this yeah. year. Um, all right, but you know, uh, what trend did break this year was some elite in state offensive line recruiting, and I can, I want to start the show with that. Uh, for those of you guys who don't follow recruiting as closely, Ohio State landed. Austin Saravelt from Lakota East High School in Middletown, Ohio. He finishes the trio of top three in-state recruits for Ohio State, which is something that I believe it was Tom and Tony said, but I'm not sure. Since 2009, Ohio State has not landed the top three in-state offensive linemen. To me... That is an appalling stat. And granted, I will go out there and say not every year are the top three offensive linemen in Ohio, Ohio State players. That's just the case. You know, that's what happens. And sometimes you have to go out nationally and recruit and win. But in years where they are the top player in the state, you can't afford to miss on them, which happened quite a bit the recent years. And I think that's why I wanted to start with it. So when Ohio State landed Austin Saraveld, how'd that make you feel, Jordan? Um, before I answer this, I have a random question. I'm sorry. Are you officially at the age where everyone entering the NFL draft is younger than you? Are there still some like fifth and sixth year no, guys? No. That that let's go. I am officially to the age where I am older than everybody in the NFL draft. Yeah, like I'm like I'm older than the six year guys, and that's just like, gee, okay, okay. I'm sorry, you had mentioned birthdays, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I think we're both at the point, which is really awkward. Like I know like Austin Saravelt is younger than us. Like I expect that he's a freshman, but like, no, there are guys who have been in college for like six years, and they come out and they're like, yeah, he's 23, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is me now. Like, it, it doesn't help the date. Like fifth year seniors that played like sports look way older than like regular fifth years. Yeah, in college. Like, have you seen Kayvon Thibodeau? I mean, he's not a fifth-year guy, but Kayvon Thibodeau looks like a grown man, and he's, like, 20. Yeah, and I I just – I mean, I don't understand it, but it's it's definitely something I've noticed, too. Like, I remember when I was a fifth-year in school, and I'm looking at JT Barrett, and he's, like – he's only, like, two or three years older than me, I think. But I'm like, this dude looks like he's 31 years old. I think JT Barrett may be younger than me or the same age. I, I, I'm almost positive he's not older than me, though. So that's where I'm at. Um, uh, but, man, yeah. Love that. It is interesting for sure. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, to answer your actual question, I was excited for a couple of reasons. Because, one, um, I kind of – I think I disagree with your premise that not every year the top three guys are Buckeyes. And the only reason I say that is because, especially under the last coach, who, who won't be named, they kept taking guys in, like, the four, five, six, seven hundred. So, like, those weren't the top three guys, no. you know. So there had to be a couple of prospects better than them. And 
this is not disparaging because me and you have both defended that process, but we defended it in the instance of when there is a good guy who is misevaluated, i.e. a Dewan Jones, someone that needs to make a little bit of changes to their body, something like that. The issue is he who shall not be named took a majority of those guys, and now we have a roster of tweeners who can't really play the position. So... To, to the Austin point, he just he just felt like a guy we were going to lose, right? Like yes. he felt like a guy that had a lot of hype. That you know, regardless of his ranking, had a lot of hype, but he wasn't a for sure Ohio State guy. And it just felt like, yeah, we're not going to get him. And then you see his top three, and it's freaking Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And he, especially with. Marcus Freeman, he felt like a Notre Dame guy. He really felt like he's going to be one of those guys that goes to Notre Dame, and for the next three to four years, we're going to hear about how he's from Ohio. He's going to be a second-round pick, have a 15-year career, and we're going to be like, man, should have had him. And I don't know if he's actually going to be that good, but like, we can name Ohio State players who just who just did that. Uh, Ohio players, or State of Ohio players, who did that for Notre Dame. So, yeah. I was excited because I I didn't think we were going to get him. And his recruiting was really quiet. Like, I don't think he had any crystal balls. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't really look at them often. But I don't think he had any or many crystal balls. Nobody, There was nobody that's like, you know, with, with some of the guys, it's like, Josh Padilla is a Buckeye. We don't know when he's going to commit, but he's a Buckeye, right? Like, Luke Montgomery's a Buckeye. We don't know when. It was not like that for Austin. So, I was excited. I think that he's a much better prospect. I'm not saying that he's going to jump from 300 to 100, but you can't have Alabama in your top three and be, you know, the 350th person. And I know that O-line recruiting is iffy. Yeah, it's a different science for sure. Yeah. It's either you're a five-star or you're a (laughs) three-star sometimes. Like, like, you know, and O-line – We've talked about this before that O-line is so hard in developing that being a five-star doesn't guarantee you're good and being a three-star doesn't mean you're bad. So his ranking really doesn't matter, but it's like Notre Dame consistently puts studs in the NFL. Alabama's Alabama and Ohio Mm. State up until recently – put studs in the NFL and we always still have offensive linemen drafted, even though, you know, recently it's a little shaky, I guess. So it's like, he's gotta be a guy, right? Like yeah. we talked about this last week with someone else. Insane. We were talking about Austin. Alabama it was Austin. Yeah. Austin. Because we were Alabama previewing doesn't it. come up north. Like, they don't come up north. They don't have to come up north. If Notre Dame's recruiting an offensive lineman, that means they're period point blank. Harry Highstan is not a guy who just randomly recruits offensive linemen because of rankings. No, he evaluates. He's one of the best offensive line evaluators in the league in college football. And I think when you're competing against him, when you're competing against Alabama, who's recently put players of similar athletic profiles to Saraveld into the league, it really is a huge win. And that's why I, that's why I wrote the article I wrote last night about the offensive line recruiting. Because I'm like, this was huge. Uh, 2018, studs year, lost out Jackson Carmen. Yes, Ohio State fans, you all say he wasn't good, but you can't lose the number one offensive tackle prospect in the state ever. Should be a rule. And guess what? That was the second time he did it because he also lost out on Tommy Kramer in 2016 to guess who? Notre Dame. So to take this to Justin Fry, it's really a huge stepping stone to number one, lock down all three guys, but to beat out teams like Notre Dame teams, like 
Alabama, teams like Michigan, teams that also recruit offensive line well and win these battles in state, build defense in your first year as a position coach. It's incredibly momentous for him, and I think it getting it done in May gives him a lot of time to work over the summer and in the fall towards early signing day to land a couple more national prospects to rebuild this offensive line, which is huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, I am cautiously optimistic. I'm not as optimistic as you are. And it's only because while we still have a long time till December, there is not a top 100 guy that I can name that I say I feel confident that Ohio State is in the top three or whatever, like that it's like Ohio State, like I'm hearing some noise. So it's like, this is good. Yeah. I'm happy. Uh, I don't think Stud would have gotten all three of these guys. Oh, crap. I said his name. He who shall not be named. I don't think he – I definitely think he's losing Austin. I feel like Luke and and Josh are just like – they're Buckeyes through and yeah. through. If you call them, they're, they're going to pick up. But um, I – And yeah. to add to it – It's good. I just, it, it was awesome. I, I just, if you heard Austin talk about it, he's like – yeah, Justin Fry straight up point blank told me he's like, I want to coach you, and that was the reason he committed. So I did not watch his commitment, so I did not see that. But um, I, I mean, that's 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 dope. Like, I like that. You've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, I will say this because I don't want anyone to think that I'm switching on my guy Fry. I'm not switching. The reason why I said cautiously is because I truly believe our offensive line is in dire straits. I think they're in so dire of straits that next year we are going to have multiple guys under two years. I don't even know about transfers. Maybe transfers, but if it's not transfers, I think we have multiple guys that have less than two years on the roster who start. If they get one of those top 100 guys, I could see in 2023 that one or two guys from this year's class who have one season on and one guy from next year's class who would have been like an early enrollee or on the offensive line with um, Donovan Jackson and something like that. And like, I genuinely think that I don't, except for Josh Fryer, I don't know that we have anyone who is currently eligible or even like worth considering being a long-term starter. So I'm not, you know, down on Fry. I just think like he has an unfair amount of pressure, but a a lot of pressure to to have this class be at least two or three guys who can who can compete immediately. I mean, this whole honestly, the whole 2022 class may be on the two deep roster. I mean. Like that's maybe not all of them. Uh, one of the guys, George Fitzpatrick. I don't know if he had the best spring, so maybe not him. But like some of the other guys, are probably going to be on the two deep roster. So it's like it's George, right? The one that was skinny. Uh, they got beat a couple of times. It was either George or Grant Tuton. I'm not sure who it was. No, he's not in the 2022 class. Yeah, I just can't remember which one of those two guys was getting beat. It was what I'm getting at. Uh, okay, okay. Either way, like, there's a good chance that a lot of the guys, at least a couple of the guys in this year's class, are on the two deep. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wavering in my faith in Fry. Yeah. I just think that this is not a class where he can get three Ohio guys, a couple one fifty to two hundred 
ranked guys and just be like, yeah, this is a good class. I believe in all of them. Like, no, you have to get a splash. Yeah. You gotta get. I guess you already have one top fifty guy, but like, you gotta get another. Yeah, you need to get a splash. You need to really take those developmental chops from UCLA and maximize them on some of these guys. Like, I think if George Fitzpatrick gets bigger and stronger, I think he has the athleticism to translate. Uh, there's guys like, but that's the thing with every single offensive tackle prospect that we have on the roster right now. It's not once this guy gets there, it's like if this guy gets there and once this guy gets there, and that's not what you want to base your offensive line recruiting on. You want more sure things. And these next two classes plus last year's with Hensman uh, is going to be incredibly huge when it comes to top 150 offensive linemen. Yeah, 100%. So I I like the class. Like I said, I don't believe he who will not be named would have gotten all three of these guys. I just need – I need a Elias Olenin. I prefer a Samson Okinola. We all know this by now. But there are other guys of his caliber. Yeah. Even though I got, even though I'm stuck, there are other guys of his caliber. A Chase Basanti, like we need one of those guys, but preferably two. Uh, and one thing I wanted to bring up that I wrote into the show plan is like, there's a chance that of the three guys that we got, that all of them are are guards, yeah, guards or centers, like, all we, three like, of them. We don't have. There's not a true surefire. This guy is absolutely a tackle. Yeah, you know. I think Luke should be a tackle. I mean, he's 6'5", 280. Like, I think he can get to that three hundred five, three fifteen. But they're saying that there's a chance to like. I need a guy or two. I need two guys. Hopefully, in the top one fifty, both of them. That is like not. Nah. This is a tackle. This guy's a left tackle. This guy's a right tackle. They're both left left tackles, and whoever loses the battle will start at right. There needs to be. No doubt. And so we don't have that prospect yet. And, yeah, and we have guys who can play guard and center. Yeah, we all got tackles on this guys roster. To play guard and center. <laughs> like, wait, like, it's of course, it's too many. And you can see it getting all stacked up. Like, there's only three spots to play. You've got Matt Jones who waited his time. Next year it's going to be wide open. But you feel really confident with them replacing the guards and the centers next year. You feel confident there. You do not feel confident at all if Paris Johnson Jr. leaves with being able to put in two tackles. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. They don't even have to replace the guards in the center because Donovan can't leave. And I don't believe, oh, my God, I'm going to forget our center's name, Whippler. I don't think Whippler leaves this year. I was actually going to bring that up. I I think he'll have the snaps and the pedigree probably, but he'll still probably be a projected fourth or fifth round pick. And he could probably – Get to thirty because he's a center. And nobody wants to draft. Yeah. Once you get to that level with thirty snap or thirty not snaps, yeah, that's not a lot of snaps at all. Starts. Thirty starts. <laughs> uh, once you get to like, it's like yeah, I, I snapped thirty times in. I think I've snapped thirty times. I'm not in the yeah. league. <laughs> once you get to thirty starts, uh, that really gets that separates centers. That experience is really something NFL teams value in centers compared to offensive tackle, where athleticism can really separate you, and guard where physicality and that stuff can separate you centers it's a combination of experience and that because it is the quarterback of the offensive line and they are involved a lot in the pass protections and all that stuff so it really does take a lot of experience there 
Yeah, I think I think it's center, unfortunately, because the NFL devalues them, i.e. Tyler Lindenbaum, you know, getting to 25. And if it wasn't for the Ravens, he would have been out the first round. That dude's a freaking stud. Yeah. I think he needs to I think he needs three years starting, which, which is whatever. And I don't see him leaving unless because yeah. three years starting, he's a second round pick, I think. And last year wasn't his best year. So it's like he needs like he was. I, I don't want to say serviceable because he was better than that, but he wasn't a stud. Yeah. So he needs like, I have one year of decent tape. I was thrust into a starter, two years of stud tape. And I think he can get yeah, that. Absolutely. For um, sure. Uh, and- I have another random question because you mentioned 30 snaps. I don't know about you. I was a long snapper in high I school. I was not. Do you think, okay, do you think, because I feel like it's just like luck of the draw. Like, they just you just have to know someone. You think you could be a long snapper in the NFL? I was actually a really good long snapper. Uh, it's like, how do you get to be a long snapper in the NFL? I mean, I, I'm a big dude, too. Like, I, I think I could be, I think I could do it. Yeah, like, Ohio State had a long snapper in the NFL. For like Liam, Liam, well, he's there now, but they had one guy who was like a 13 year vet. I don't know if he's still in the league. I'm honestly blanking on his name, and I feel bad because he's like one of the few specialists from Ohio State that made it in the league. And we all know it's super rare. There's one of each specialist position on an NFL team, except for kicker because kickers, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And you know, I'm just thinking, I don't think I could have done it, but. It's just incredibly weird. You know, you bring it up, like I don't know how you get the opportunity as a long snapper in the NFL. I know, like a big part of it's being able to snap and run forty yards fast. So, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think I could have done it. Like when I was a football player, I was probably too small to be an NFL long snapper. Uh, probably the size. Yeah. Probably the ideal size now, but. I think I could. I think if I would have just like given up all of my hopes and dreams, so I could snap a hundred times in practice every day for five years, I could have done yeah, it. Yeah, that is that is the interesting thing. Like, <laughs> like I got punched, but like that was only because like I just wanted to get out of warmups and I just wanted to catch punts. <laughs> yeah, uh, not because um, I knew I was going to be like Deshaun Jackson, but. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, back to the offensive line, it's like DeWan's leaving. If if Paris has a good year, he's gone. And so the one thing that's interesting about Paris is he may be gone no matter what, unless he's just awful. Because like how this current year was not a great quarterback. It's draft, not a good tackle. This class. coming year is not a good tackles class. And, and so, you know, who knows where Paris would have been ranked as a tackle if he was eligible to come out this year. Uh, and he actually played tackle this year. We, we understand that he didn't. But next year, even if he's not a surefire prospect, even if he's not considered, you know, elite, uh, a Charles like, Cross, Icky, yeah. he could still be the first or second tackle taken. So I almost think he has to have a terrible year to not, not go, to come yeah. back. And, and I know we, we talked about it. No, I know we talked about it before. It was like we thought he would stay, but it's like, and yeah. even earlier in the show, we were like, he only has that one season. And at it's tough, not, but it like, wasn't going to be If it's not a good tackle class, class, him on just his athletic profile alone is probably a first round draft pick. 
Yeah, I mean, he's what, 6'6", 315, something like that. If you had to build a bear workshop, a offensive tackle, he's for sure the guy. Like, you put him in a chamber, and you're like, let's make an offensive tackle physically. Paris Johnson Jr. is what comes out. Oh yeah, he's he's literally like the mold. Six six three fifteen. Athletic, quick, yeah, long arms. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. That's like he's like they're not gonna be like, oh he has thirty one and three quarter three quarters arms. He's, he's got not, long arms. He's not talented. <laughs> like he, he has everything you need. Um I, I I want so we we talk about how I listen to a lot of podcasts and different things like that. And every once in a while on the athletic I ask a question. I'm waiting for the athletic NFL show to open up their questions again because I need to ask them about this every like three out of every four college tackles them saying that they're going to have to play guard. Like I listen to so many draft shows and it's like, oh, he was a tackle in college, but he's going to be guard. He was a tackle yeah. in college, but he's going to be guard. And it's like, so you have tackles who are guards, you have guards who are guards, and then you have guards, you have centers who are centers and guards. So it's like, what do you have to be except Paris Johnson Jr. 6'6", 315. What do you have to be for them to consider you an offensive tackle in the NFL? It's yeah. so many people's like, yeah, he was a four year tackle starter, but he'll play guard. So I'm just very, I'm just very, I'm waiting for them to reopen up their, their weekly. Yeah, that's a really so I can ask. It'd be interesting. I know, I know when it comes to tackles, a big thing they do is measure arm length, which is why it's funny. You said he's got 31 yeah. and an eighth inch arm. Uh, because that's interesting. Then there's her hand size, which is super important for, like, I don't know, getting the extent and obviously athleticism, which not every college tackle has the athleticism to block a guy like Von Miller, like or Miles yeah. Garrett. But like, where where's the line drawn? I guess that is interesting. Like, yeah, like the guy the Colts drafted from wherever, uh, something Raymond. It's like. People like he was a third round pick partially because he was a tight end and only played tackle for two years. But the other part of it is they're like, oh, we're not sure if he can play tackle. He has short arms, this, that, and the third. But supposedly, I didn't really watch the offensive lineman in the combine, but supposedly his testing numbers are off the chart. Height, weight, speed, agility, strength, like all of that's off the chart. And like there are people who had him mocked and like the late first, early second, and he fell to the third. And even there's not even consensus, like the Colts version of me and you, uh, you know, fan podcasters, people who do that kind of stuff or whatever. They're like, oh, he's probably going to be a guard. I'm not, which I think is hilarious because, like, I don't think, and, and maybe someone thinks we're wrong. I don't think me and you ever pretend to be experts. But a lot of these guys, I don't listen to any of the Colts fans' podcasts because a lot of them pretend to be experts, and I don't like that. And you know, I don't care about a lot of people's football's opinion. But they're like, yeah, he's probably good. Like, they're just like, he's going to be a guard. He's going to be a guard. He's going to be a guard. And then in like the press conference, the first, like one of the first questions they asked the actual GM who gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this, and he's like, yeah, we think he can be our starting left tackle. He just has to learn. And I'm like, mm. but it's just interesting. Yeah. It's just like as soon as you have little, like, like it's like. You can you can have flaws at guard, you can have flaws at center, but at tackle, as soon as you have one thing, you're a little too light, you're a little too heavy, or your arms are too short. It's like nope, guard, 
guard it's over don't care like you have no chance i think that's yeah it's really interesting honestly i didn't even think about that and that's why you look at our offensive line like you can't have tweeters you can't like you can move a tackle like and we know we had a lot of issues with this we had so many issues so i actually sound like a really big hypocrite right now normally you can move tackles to guard sometimes sometimes it doesn't always work but most of the time, there's a reason each person has that position. And that's why it's so interesting why NFL teams are so quick to move people to guard. And I know you want better yeah. athletes, but in college, I think a guy like Matt Jones, who's 6'2", 325 pounds, has incredibly strong hands. That's more what I wanted to guard at college, but... Like, oh man, it's interesting. That is a really interesting question. They can't have tweeners, though. Can't have tweeners. That's the only thing you can't no. have. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, though. Like, I think you can put smaller tackles at guard. Like, I just pulled it up because we were hinting at it. Thayer Munford was 6'6", 321. And I think that's why he wasn't great at guard, to be completely honest. Yes, he's too long. There's a couple other things, but he's just too big, too long. And it's hard for him to get, like, you know, you have a a 6'1", 305. Like, like, it's hard for him to get under Tyleek Williams. Yeah, it's hard for him to get under Haskell Garrett, who's 6'1", 6'2". But those four inches matter. And it's like that that's hard for you to get under and drive a guy who's six foot, six one, six two, when you're six six, six seven. So yeah, and you're standing up in a stance and they're in a three point stance. So they start lower than you. So um I think those like six three, six four, six five tackles, six five is a stretch too, but those guys you can throw in the guard. Once you get like six five and a half, six six, six seven, six eight, like you just gotta make it work. Yeah, you gotta, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you can't move inside. Uh, but yeah, did we ask the question, what's next for L recruiting? What do we need to gain confidence in the depth? Uh, I don't think we, I don't think we asked it, but we talked yeah, we about, talk it. about it. They need to get, ta- they true need tackles. to get true tackles, and, but they need to be higher ranked yeah. true tackles. And I don't, we didn't ask the depth question, but for, for me, I don't, there's there nothing they can do to make me feel good about the depth. Nothing they except can do the in this class that can make me confident about the depth, but you Get five elite players in this class and then four, three or four next class with maybe one or two developmental guys. You can get me confident in the depth again. Yeah. Because what would you say? This past class was two guys who could compete for the for the two deep and then a couple of guys who are developmental. So it's like if you get yeah. two, two guys from the last class, 22, you get three or four who can be on the two deep in this class and then another two or three in the next class, you've rebuilt the room. Yeah. But if you miss on guys, that's like – I mean, Justin Fry has a hard job. He has to he has hit. To hit and he has to and have he has a to very develop, high success rate. He has to develop players that he probably wouldn't have recruited if he was here earlier. Yeah. And he won't ever say that. That's actually – he won't ever say that, but I will for him. Yeah, that there's a uh, there's players that he may have recruited to UCLA, but he wouldn't have recruited them for this Buckeye yeah, roster. And that's something that we've we have beaten the dead horse of he who must not be named a hundred times. But it really does make the challenge of rebuilding the room because. You could have great running backs. You could have great quarterbacks. You could have great receivers. But if you play one good defensive line, because you're not playing 
Like the serviceable offensive line can get you through Big Ten play. But if you want to beat a team like Georgia, if you want to beat a team like Alabama, who's got an elite defensive front, you need the best offensive lineman you could get from a physical profile, yeah. and then you mold them into elite offensive linemen. Or the once-a-generation Michigan offensive line that has two first-round picks on yeah. it. Which, I mean, injury is why he was in the second round, but he was a first-round pick. Like, like when you get when you get the Alabama offensive line that's supposed to be that good, and then the random Michigan line that has two studs on it, it's like... You you look decent against Minnesota. You you look decent against yep. you know whoever Penn State. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember how they looked, looked against okay. Penn State. But not great. Uh, yeah, but, 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 but then you get them. It's like yeah, and that's what you, that's that's the task he has is rebuilding it. Like you look at Tony Alford's room. You look at Brian Hartline's room. You look at Ryan Day's room. We're not going to talk about the tight ends, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, you look at the offensive line, it's definitely a step below what we've seen from the other rooms on the offense. I don't know if this is updated, but did you see that Walker Lions 100% to BYU? Ooh, interesting. Is he is Must he be LDS. Mormon? It must be. No, it's not Mormon, no, right? Or Mormon. LDS yeah, is yeah, Mormon. it's Mormon. Is he Mormon? Uh, must be. I, I, I understand are, this is a very... They are printing money at BYU. I, I understand that this is a very, you know, tight line to cross because I'm not trying to crap on anyone's religious beliefs, but I can't imagine not being Mormon and going to one of those schools where you have to sign a contract that you can't drink, you can't have sex. Most of the players who are Mormon go on two-year missions. A lot of them are married because they went on two-year missions. So they're tw- actually you may you may you they're, may uh, be younger than some BYU guys. That's, true. that's where we're at. Uh, we got we got to find it. If we're older than all the BYU so guys, the oh funny my God, thing, it's over for us. Uh living in Utah for a little bit, that was very common like being around the faith. It, it's mm-hmm. interesting. It, it, I mean it's like it's definitely di- it's a different religion, but I don't want to spiral too much, but like, what is it like? Like that? I mean, like a lo- very large majority of that state is Mormon LD, L- L- LDS or LSD. LDS, L- LDS, LSD. Is like LSD. Uh. <laughs> that came out of like that's stupid. Like, what is it like living there and not being a part of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't feel like that. I mean, I lived in Park City, so it was a little different. It was still very skewed okay. that way, but. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was just like a lot of businesses were closed on Sundays. Uh, I mean, it's it's very it's similar to a lot of cr- other Christian, heavily Christian-influenced areas. Uh, a lot of the kids won't drink yeah, soda with caffeine, you know, no coffee, but they still had like everything, coffee shops. Because everything has a decaf, everything has a zero caffeine type deal to it. So it, it's just... I, there is definitely a split. So the Utah BYU rivalry is incredibly interesting because Utah tends to be uh, the non-Mormon school of the state, and BYU obviously a, with its religious ties. Of, so it used to be called the Holy. A War. lot of Polynesian players at US at Utah. Yeah, and uh, BYU it used to be called the Holy War. That got changed because of political correctness. And now uh, it's it's incredibly heated. It's incredibly interesting. Uh, any like I follow some Utah pages on Twitter, and it is way different than other rivalry beefs because there's that religious aspect to it. And yeah, not to go down that rabbit hole much further, but it is 
it's a different rivalry. It's why it always makes my top five because it is not like others because of that. Yeah, I didn't. I just think it's interesting. Like, I, I don't know. A kid from, I think he's from North Carolina, unless I have the wrong guy. Is Walker from California? He's from uh, Fulton, he California. North Carolina kid? He's from California. Okay, so yeah. maybe that's not as bad. I, I just can't imagine going to um to BYU if I was not a part of the faith, or at least, you know, very, very religious, where, like, the differences or whatever, be, but yeah. uh, you are already on that plan of, like, no sexual intercourse till marriage, no alcohol, like that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I think that we're talking about offensive line still. Uh, I don't know. Kind of lost it there. Uh. Yeah. Well, we were, we were going, you were going through the roster of the oh, guys. The on, like, yeah. going through like, the position this one's definitely we got a step back. Yeah. Yes. So I, I think, I think that's a good, place to wrap up the offensive line. I, I, I'm excited for some of the guys coming in. Um, I'm excited for this recruiting class. I, I think our fry, our guy Fry is a, is a, is a dude. The man. Fry guys and are coming together. Thankfully he's an offensive line coach because man, they hate to make offensive line coaches, head coaches. Yeah. He has, he has the polish. The I personality. think he has the makeup, the personality. Like it'll take when him, they, when it'll NBA, take him longer, but he's going to get there one day. He'll be a head coach. Listen, I'm telling I want to like, I don't know if you have any wood near you. I don't think I do. This is fake wood, but I'm knocking on it. Everyone on the podcast, <laughs> knock on wood. At least five years of when, Indi- when Indiana fires Tom Allen, I would hire Justin yeah, Fry. Absolutely. Even if it's next year, I would hire Justin Fry. So we're knocking on all types of wood that that doesn't happen. But like, oh my we need God, he'd be to surprise a lot of people. Get Tom Allen like three, four more years. Because I mean, but the, I mean, do you, do you disagree? Like, no, I, I know he doesn't have head coaching experience, but and he's from he's Indiana. Young, he's a Midwestern he's, guy. He's young. He's polished. He's coached all over the country. He's coached at Boston College, UCLA. He's coached. At three incredibly yeah, different academic institutions, like yeah, he's, gonna, he's uh, developed he first round picks. He's developed yeah. draft picks. Like he's done it all already. Aside now from he's head got coaching experience, Ohio what State do you want on his guy? resume, like this is dangerous. This is dangerous water yeah. floating in right here with Fry. Uh, if I was Indiana, I'd call him immediately. The, best, the, the second you fire Tom, the advantage Allen. we have though is Indiana is not known for making great hires, coaching wise. Yes. So that is something. Just because they should doesn't mean they will. It is an innate built-in advantage. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's get let's get moving forward. We got some other recruiting notes here. Uh, I don't have all the dates because it's just been coming out like wildfire. Like the list of visitors coming over the summer, you've got like nine Ohio State camps over the summer with like younger kids, the older kids, middle schoolers. There's tons of people who are going to be coming in and out of Columbus for football reasons. It's going to be a lot of fun. But some big names are visiting this month, and I think without the dates in front of me, I'm just going to list off the names. You've got Carnell Tate. Brandon Ennis, Caleb Downs, Taggy Curtis, among quite a few other. Oh, man, that was a tough one. Alice O'Lennon's one of the guys who's coming. He's the last, He's taking his last visit to Ohio State. Taggy Curtis taking his last visit to Ohio State. 
Brandon Innes moved his visit up for Ohio State. Obviously, Carnell Tate's got a lot going on with his recruitment. It's it's a big month. Uh, Luke Montgomery tweeted about it. Hints had a huge month for the Buckeyes. We're not going to keep bringing this up, but some people are very skeptical about this class. I did like the whole class calculator thing yesterday just for fun. I was kind of bored and I was like after uh, uh, Saraville committed, I was just like, all right, what is the path to 324 Ohio State this year? And it's very, very reasonable, honestly, to get to that 320 class rank, like point scored or whatever it's called, which would put us in the top three guaranteed. And that is a very realistic trajectory. And if Luke Montgomery's hinting at this month being huge, we're going to see it. So before we get started, yeah, he hasn't been wrong. He yet. hasn't. He's been. I mean, like, he, like, know, he's, CJ, he's, I'll be honest. He's tied CJ in. was awesome. He was Mr. Buckeye. He missed on a couple. Yeah. Luke hasn't um, missed yet. Luke said two Buckeyes are committed and two Buckeyes committed. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he knows a couple of things. Uh, He's tied in. It's, Do you um, – So I, I've got this before your question. Perry eliano has got Hartford here. If he lands Caleb Downs, I'm ready to say, all right, this guy, he's got the Ohio State recruiting pedigree. He's, he's here. He's going to be here for the long haul. Uh, Justin well, Fry Perry, closed out in Ohio. If he lands two of these top 100 tackles, closed out. Unbelievable. He's got the recruiting profile. Tim Walton, we need to see some corners. I'm just going to say it. Jim Knowles, we need to see some backers. I think he's going to land Curtis this month. What do you want to see this month to get you comfortable with the new coaches? So I, we spent a lot on Fry, but I need a I need a top top seventy five guy. I need Samson. I need Chase. I need Elias Olenin. One of those guys. More than one is cool, but I think At if we got one, one of those guys and then a guy, another tackle who's in like the eighties to one twenty five, I think we're good. But we need one of those top fifty, top seventy five guys. Um, Man, I don't know, because it's like, like for Eliano, it's like I know he's a stud recruiter. Gets, we talked about that. If he gets that. Hartford we and Downs, like there's not, there's yeah. one of the best safety classes we ever had. Yeah, and, and we talked about um, before when he got hired, when people were questioning the recruitings, we talked about how he opened a lot of doors for Cincinnati, and he got them some high four star guys, and he was in room for other guys that Cincinnati wouldn't normally be for. But it just seems like this. I feel like this year's recruiting is a little weird. Uh, it just seems like I couldn't name the safety that I feel confident in. So it's like if he does it, I don't want to put the pressure to be like he has to get Caleb Downs or uh, is it Jonel Aguayu, uh, Joel uh, that um, that safety. I, I do not want to mess up people's name, but you know, like if he doesn't get one of those top five safeties, I, I don't want to say it's a bad thing because Malik Hartford just stud, but it's like. Like, do we celebrate? I mean, not celebrate because this is Ohio State. Do we accept him being so? Do we accept top 50 type safeties, including him and their top three, making official visits and use that as progress to like when he has a full year to recruit? So 2024, 2025, that he's going to get those guys or is his expectation that he gets a, a Caleb Downs or what? I, I don't know. And so, um, 
he's hard. He's hard. I don't I don't know what I expect from him. Um yeah, Tim Walton. I haven't even heard of anybody, and it, and it seems like we're not. I have I have the I have the names pulled up. It seems like we're not super high on um, the corner that uh, AJ Harris wasn't too happy with us. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we're too high on AJ <laughs> yeah, Harris. He was anymore. a Cones guy, so I, mean, I kind of understand it. Yeah. I've heard Cormani, but it's like they're saying AJ Harris might go to Florida. That's weird. I've been hearing Cormani, Cormani McLean, but he doesn't seem high. Half the good corners are from Alabama, uh, so it's just like I don't even know what corner we're gonna get. Like I don't. I, I just feel like Tim Walton is either missing something, or maybe this is just not the year yeah, for us. Like it, if you go through two, four, seven, it, it might be a year then, where corners not. A huge priority, but I'm looking at the depth, and I think it definitely needs to be. It has to be. Yeah, so it has to be. But I mean, like, so, all the, like you said, gonna... a lot of the best corners. Guess where they're at? They are in the state of Alabama. Uh, so that makes that challenging. I, I yeah, feel like I, know, I feel like corner is still always a position where Ohio State wins a lot of those battles late, and it kind of shocks everybody, and they're like, "Oh, hey, we had this corner this whole time! Surprise, surprise!" And yeah, although although we are supposed to get Kai and Lee, I mean, he, he's a top two hundred guy. He, he's still yeah, you know, he's a good player. And, I don't say that disparagingly. He's still a good yeah, player. And, but I mean, if our this only class, or our best corner is top two hundred, that's not great. This, I mean, this class is definitely there's not a lot of nationally big corner. I mean, like obviously they're national recruits, but like they're not all over the place. They seem to be very much centered in the south. Yeah, listen to this really quickly. I'm just going to read the top 10 corners. Not their names because we're not in names. Uh, number one, Florida. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Alabama. Number four, Alabama. Number five, Texas. Number six, Texas. Number seven, Texas. Number eight, Georgia. So the top eight are in three states. And then the ninth guy is from Seattle, Washington. I know absolutely nothing about this kid. I just feel like Seattle, Washington's is Ohio State's territory, so we need to get him. And then the number 10 guy is from Arizona, who's nobody's territory, but he's also already committed to um to Oregon. But it's just like, yeah, 8 of the top 10 guys are from three states yep. and yeah, so it's like it's I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. It, it so I don't know what Tim Walton's expectations are. Like, I think Kayan Lee is a great prospect. I, I like him a lot, his ranking. I, I mean, it's a strong corner class, so his ranking might be skewed a little bit towards that in other years where he might be higher. But it, it's it's just not – it's definitely uh, – you know, Combs was a great corners recruiter. Uh, you can't discredit that. Walton hasn't recruited in a long time. I think there might be – a few growing pains when it comes to that. And I think that's something I, I'm not concerned about it because he does have a track record of success in developing players in the NFL. And I think he'll be able to use that in recruiting. You also have Eliano to lend support. So over time, I think it's going to work itself out at the corner position uh, this year. It just yeah. might not be the year where, you know, AJ Harris being a guy who was big on Combs probably didn't like how that went down. And, it wouldn't be easy to get back into play with him. Uh, it's, 
I just feel like the Combs thing couldn't have been so bad for him to ruin his career by going to Florida. Yeah, I mean, Florida still puts corners <laughs> out, but it's not the same. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I don't know what Billy Napier has that Ohio State doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he didn't go to Ohio State for Cincinnati, it's like, okay. It's that's a little weird, but you're a Combs guy. Like, not going to Ohio State or Cincinnati and then going to Florida of all places, I'd be a little salty. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I will definitely follow corner recruiting. But, yeah, I think the interior defensive line is something I'm intrigued about. We pretty, we're pretty set on the edge. I think if you could get one of the elite edge guys this year, maybe two, that's successful. Are we going to get the, the – um, uh, are we going to get DJU's brother, Mataya? His recruitment's been very under the radar. Like, not a lot of opinions coming in and out. The last opinion was Big Dave being very mad at Dabo Sweeney for not, like, calling back Matayo. That was the last story I read about his recruitment. Summer visitor. We'll see. We'll see if LJ's still got it. Hey, that'd be crazy. Uh, I mean, Big Dave, this is the fun thing. He, uh, when Matayo uh, took a spring visit, an unofficial he uh, talked about how he used to be Larry Johnson's son's bodyguard when he's in the NFL, and we talked about that last week. Yeah, was that last week? These these listen, these podcasts be running together. Every time I look up, it's another. Every it's time synergy. I look up, it's another Thursday. It's called synergy. It's it's what we're built on. We're built on continuity, just like the MCU. <laughs> Hey, I just think I think before we go to the next part, I think it's funny that there are some classes you know more people than others. And we follow recruiting decently enough that like we shouldn't be surprised by names. And I don't know that you're surprised, but I am. So I know the first two edge rushers in this class, right? I don't know number three. I've never heard of Jaden Wayne. I've never heard of Chandavian Bradley. I've never heard of Jaquavius Russell. I've never heard of to Seely Akana, Damon Wilson, Caleb Herring, Gabriel Harris, by Joby. These are the top 10 edge rushers. Never heard of any of them. Desmond. It's just like like last year. Like, you kind of knew all like, of them, honestly. Yeah. And I'm just like, who are these kids? But also, I don't think that this is a great class. There's only nine in the top hundred. There's one. Yeah, two, this is a high three, value five. position, so it's really yeah. there's only nine in the top hundred. There's only five in the top fifty. So I don't know that this is a great class in general. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, and I mean at the end of the day, you know, we've got depth for another considerable year. You've just got Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Abor with JG. Duds. Uh, and Jack Sawyer having to stay another year, guaranteed. Uh, so it, it's definitely not the biggest cause for concern. I still think – I mean, you even have some guys on the roster who can develop into players. So, I, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I'm not, not worried about the Larry Johnson recruiting thing, though. That's the thing. I'm not worried about oh. Larry. I feel like you can never be. Yeah. No, I feel like you can never be worried about Larry. I feel like that's a safe place to go to a quick break for you guys. Talking about Larry. Uh, so we'll see you guys on the flip side here. Uh, we're going to catch you guys with a few advertisements. Uh, and then we'll see you guys on the other side.
Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant Holy Land. I'm here with Jordan Williams. We ended off with Larry Johnson's recruiting. Uh, I feel like I had a little bit planned. I'm not even going to make it a bit. I feel like the last few recruitments I've been pretty spot on with. I've been with the timing of them. And I, I, you know, when I'm right, it's fun. It's easy to be right when they're easy. I don't want to be a recruiting expert only when I'm right. Because part of being a recruiting expert is missing on a few that you take some gambles on, predicting way early. And I, I think it's time to take the only when I'm right out of recruiting expert because I don't think I need the protection anymore. Oh, okay. All right. No protection. Okay. I've recovered, so let's. I've recovered quite a bit from my huge miss when a guy chose Alabama over Ohio State. I can't remember which player, but I've recovered. Yeah, I, I think I fully recovered. I'm not. I'm no longer a jinx. I feel like I'm actually putting together some Infinity Stones. All right. So let's let's play a game really quickly. I'm gonna ask you three questions. Question number one. Let me pull. Let me pull this up really quickly. Question number one: Does Ohio State take a quarterback in this class? And if so, who do you think it'll be? If you need me to give you some names, I can give you some options. I don't know how much you've been following uh, the quarterback recruiting, but does Ohio State take a guy? And if so, who? Uh, I I really I I want to say yes for sure because you never know with them. Uh, right now, I was very confident a while ago that it was going to be uh, Dylan Lonergan, but he recently gained a lot of momentum to South Carolina, surprisingly. But, yeah, I really don't think there's a guy currently I'm confident with them taking. Uh, and, like, just kind of bringing in a guy to bring in a guy might not be the M.O. But if I am one of these other teams, then I struggle this year. Like, if I'm Tennessee and I struggle – that $8 million might sound nice to Nicholas Ayamaleva right now, but do I want to make $8 million to play on a six million? I personally would, but I'm just saying a lot of NFL money is worth more. I don't think Mal- Malachi Nelson's ever going to be available, but there are guys, if you just watch a year and, you know, maybe Christopher Vizina sees Cade Klubnit take over for DJ and doesn't see a clear path to the field immediately. Like maybe that opens that up, you know? I don't want to count it out, but right now, if I'm just looking at names and where they're heading, I don't like the odds. Yeah, so I just want to say this because I just did the count because I was scrolling through and it looked crazy. The, out of the top 50 pro- prospects, and obviously Ohio State's only taken like top 10 prospects, of the top 50 prospects, only 18 are either, only 18 are not committed at all. Of that 18, and I, we understand that 247 is not 100% accurate. You can flip players, whatever. Of that 18, a decent amount of them are like 100% to schools. So they may not be committed, but 247 is very confident that they're going to commit to these schools. There are not a lot of quarterbacks left, just in general. I, we're not getting Arch Manning. There's no momentum to that. It really feels like Dante Moore uh, is maybe a sleeper option. option. Absolutely. Um, 
And I mean, he's from Detroit, Michigan. Like a lot of people are after him. Also, a lot of people already have quarterbacks. I mean, South Carolina has a quarterback. Oklahoma has a quarterback. Clemson has a quarterback. Alabama has a a guy that's projected to go there. And and so, you know, where else is he going? I mean, technically quarterbacks go a lot of places, but it's like, you think a guy like that, is he going to go to Michigan? Mm, I don't know. Is he going to go to Georgia? Like, so, I mean, he could go a lot of places. I'm sure he has scholarship offers from a lot of the teams, but a lot of the teams you think of star quarterbacks going have guys. So so maybe we get in there, but yeah, I think. So that's it's fine. Interesting. We'll it's take a walk sure on that one. You don't have a it, it's you don't have a recruiting expert opinion on quarterbacks. It's not yeah, I, it's hard is, to have one at this point. I mean, obviously Ryan Day has said he wants to take a quarterback every year, but is there a quarterback number 1 that wants to possibly sit for three years and number two possibly commit and have a transfer or something come in. Like you never know. This is that that's fair. Um, so of our top players that we want, question number two, outside of wide receiver, I'm not talking Brandon Ennis. I'm not talking, um, Carnell Tate. So I'll give you three to four players. So we have Caleb Downs, who is number 11. Um, we have AJ Harris, who is number 18. This is the um, 247, uh, 247 composite. We have Mateo Uangalele, who is 21. And I'll give you one more guy. One more guy. Uh, let's go my guy, Samson Okanola. So four guys, four different positions, all top 30 players. Do we get any of them, in your opinion? And if so, who are we more likely to get? So once again, that's Samson Okanola. Uh, it is Mateo Uangalele. It is AJ Harris. And then it is um, Dante. No, did I say Dante Moore? No, you said, yeah, it was Dante Moore. No, you said, uh, I didn't, AJ, no, you said Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs, Caleb Downs, Caleb Downs. Yeah. Okay, so in order, I think... Caleb Downs one, I think most likely. Um, God, I do I think Samson or I think Matayo too. I think that tie to Big Dave and Larry Johnson sort of temperament really fits with what he wants from a coach. Uh, three. That's I don't think I think AJ Harris is four, which would make Samson three. But I think Samson's closer to AJ Harris than he is to coming to Ohio State at this moment. But as we know, recruiting changes, and that's how you protect yourself as a recruiting expert. <laughs> See, you're definitely an expert because you already know you already know how to protect yourself. You already know how to, how to give an answer without really giving an answer. One last question: We've already talked about this. First of all, can you explain why we're not getting Caden Proctor? That's a joke. I'm not. I don't want you to explain that. I th- I think it's absolutely nuts that Iowa had back to back five stars and was able to get yeah, both of them. Especially and their program sucks. Yeah, like their offense is garbage. There's no way. And, and like defense, I get defense, I get. But come, like I'm not. Like, to I be honest, know, I'm man. not. I'm not like dedicating my career to nepotism unless I'm a tight end because that's the only position they constantly put out at the high level. Yeah. Maybe a corner. Yeah, and that, they play. but like their corners haven't been great in the league though. Yeah. They get well, there, it's but like they just do cover four, cover four match. So it's like they aren't really yeah. asked to do a lot. They're just asked to do what they do very well. Yeah, and they're not guarding real receivers until they play Ohio State once every five years. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. Let me not. The Big Ten has the best receivers in the NFL. They, 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 they got they, two they, good they receivers. Guys. <laughs> I can't believe Caden Proctor's. I, I can't believe they're going to get both of them, but that's not the point. That's not the question. We've already talked about these guys. Samson Okanola, Chase Basanti, um, and Aleas Alenin. Do we get any of them? And if so, who is most likely? I, I say we get, like, if I'm weighting it with confidence, I think one out of three is as confident as I'm willing to go. And I think it's a linen. I, I know he's, like, crystal ball to Alabama, but I just think the way his visits are scheduled, I, I think – I just, like, you know when you look at a recruitment and right now it's not in the place it's supposed to – like, it, you think it is, and then all of a sudden – one visit happens. I think it's got the potential to be the visit that changes his recruitment. And I will say Alabama's before Ohio state. So if he cancels the Ohio state recruitment, obviously, or the visit, obviously it's not a linen, uh, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I will say Elias Alenin's from Connecticut and Samson Okanola is from Massachusetts, which neither one of them have any real pipelines. If we can't get either of those guys, I'm going to be upset because Ohio State thrives in markets that don't have a pipeline. That's how we got into that's how we got into Seattle and got all of those guys. Which I don't remember the guy that I said was from Seattle, but I just feel like we should get him just because he's from Seattle. I just said that randomly. I don't think I've even heard of that guy before, and now I don't remember. But it's just like, yeah, I feel like like we're letting people take guys from random places like that. Come on now, like you want to go from Connecticut to Bama? Uh, that's a long trip. Your family's never gonna get to see you play. I know it's Bama, but like you know, that, that stuff matters sometimes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, a linen's one of those. Uh, what's it called? PPF those international players. So. I was reading about yeah. his dad. Yeah, yeah, he is. And his dad actually played in NFL Europe in Germany, and that's kind of cool. Honestly, I just think he's a cool story, and I think, like, Hero Canoe's already <laughs> at Ohio State. I don't know how many of these international players Alabama has. Is he is he the same? Because there's, you know, there's a couple people doing this. Is he the same, same organization same that Hero came yep. from? Okay. Okay, that that helps. And that's kind of that does help. That's definitely something where I lean into it. And hero should hero is probably not going to be there yet. But I just think just having that built-in connection to show up with someone who's gone through a similar experience, being from Germany, also really might help. Or being from that part of the world, also. I don't know if they're yeah. Um, I, I'm not ready to just put the recruiting expert thing out there just because I don't follow it as much. Um, but I do think that I'm going to – I don't want to call it a prediction, but I have a feeling that if things go the way that they're supposed to go and Justin Fry really closes out this class, I think we'll get Olenin and we'll get Chase Basanti. I don't think we get Samson – I just feel like he's like, I feel like, and the reason why I don't think we get Samson is like, I understand you can do visits, however, and that kind of stuff, but he's been to the Midwest once or twice and he didn't go to Ohio State. And I just feel like that's not a quick trip. And granted, they weren't official visits and things like that, but it's like, if you were a serious Ohio State lean, why would you go to Michigan State before you go to Ohio yeah. State? Like, like, it's not like Bama or Georgia or Clemson or, or something like that. Like, you chose to leave Massachusetts and go to Michigan State and didn't, you know, make it a, a round trip where you stopped in Ohio and, and yeah, things like I mean, that. So, Tuck is um, coming. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I just feel like Don Bosco Prep, man, I, that feels like an Ohio State school. If, We've gotten some guys from there. We do pretty good in New Jersey. And if, uh, I, if I could was see on the staff, it. I'd guarantee Chase Basantis. He doesn't lose on New Jersey recruits when he's at when he was at yeah, Ohio State. That is. That is the one thing. I mean, I think Chase is going to go to Rutgers or Ohio State. And it comes back to this for me. Like, if Samson Akunlola wants to go to a place that's not Alabama and not Georgia, you know, and that's cool. Fine with me, you know. If Chase Basantis wants to go to a place that's not Michigan or Alabama, hey, you know what? That's fine with me. But if Ohio State loses a battle to those two schools, then I, it upsets me a little bit. Yeah, and like I'm like Chase. If he goes to Rutgers, it's like, hey, I don't. I wouldn't go to Rutgers, but like they're a New Jersey guy. You know, I I wouldn't be mad at it. I just wouldn't do it. But I think that best case scenario, things go the way they do. Justin Fry keeps killing it. They're they're players who have interest in Ohio State. They're players without a direct correlation, a direct line. You're not trying to get them out the south. and Ohio State can beat Rutgers in Michigan. They can beat those schools. I think that we can get Chase, and I think we can get a list. Yeah. And that would be – I mean, if we got both of them. Yeah, it would be huge. But if we get both of them, what's the first thing you're saying on the if podcast? If you get two out of three of those guys, I am probably going to um, – I'm probably going to send in a large donation to Coach Fry's office to take the offensive lineman out to lunch. Like NIL money, I, it's going to go directly to his office, and it's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, and, and here's the crazy thing about it. This is my last thing I have to say about it. Samson Okinola is number thirty in the nation. Chase Basantis is fifty eight, and Oleus Olinen is one ten. So it's not like we're projecting them to get three top 10 guys, you know, like they're yeah, decently so spread saying, out. Oh, Kaden Proctor, uh, Francis, oh, what's his name? Ma Gau or. Yeah. And yep. Oh, yeah. And Samson, we're not predicting all three of those guys, but like only one of them's a five star. And we've got, we've done that before where we've got three guys in the top hundred or, or, you know, Elias is right outside the top hundred, two top hundred guys. And, and a guy, so like it's possible. Yeah. Um, and that, like, for it, but it that's goes my... back to our first conversation. If that happens, like it helps you start building that confidence back in the depth in the room. That's yeah. what it's all about. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I, I believe in our guy Fry. I, we, we've been big Fry guys since, and I'm. We need to get shirts, honestly, made or Fry guy <laughs> shirts. Uh, yeah. But we've been Fry guys since the jump. I think we were part of the train that got everyone really excited for Fry. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he does to close this out. I'm excited to see if Eliano could get downs. Like, it's just it's going to be a fun year because like a lot of years it feels like the class is very drawn up, like clean cut, cookie cutter class. You know, this year it feels like there's going to be some real recruiting work that needs to be done, and that's exciting. Yeah. But man, think about this. And I, I know we try not to talk too much in the future, though. The 2024 class, where their entire real recruitment has been with this staff, but not only with this staff, it's been with the new recruiting staff, right? Where they've changed some positions, they moved guys up, they hired the, the stud guy from Western Kentucky or wherever he was from, uh, added a couple new positions, they've upgraded their marketing, which was down for a year or two. Like, I know there's enough time, right? 
there's five months. They could get on a guy today and still get him in December. Yeah. But that 2024 class, that 2025 class, where the first Ohio State coach that talked to them was Justin Fry or Perry Eliano. There's no fixing relationships. There's no, I like that other guy. Like, if they can get some of these guys in on these quote, challenging unquote, short notice, in, yeah. because we know – we know recruiting starts freshman sophomore year for the studs. Man, I'm 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 gonna be on the lookout for us to finally get that number one class in the country in one of these 24, 25, 26 classes. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's I, I mean I said it. I think there's a very realistic pathway into the three hundreds, and I think this class can get up to like that three hundred twenty combined average. Yeah, so uh, speaking of recruiting, we're just going to move on. Uh, I think we've hit every note we could before all these visits happen. Got a lot of talk in there, but last year's recruiting was pretty good, I'd say. I, I don't think we'd miss it. We already got to talk about the early enrollees. So, I mean, I don't think we need to spend too much time uh, talking about these guys. We've got two more pretty nice segments to get to, but I just wanted to take a quick go through the list of guys uh, get excited about them a little because, you know, I think the summer enrollees kind of get forgotten until they show up exactly the day they get there. And then they kind of get forgotten the rest of the year. Uh, but the early enrollees are talked about for, oh, they're next in line immediately just because they showed up early. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, maybe we say, do we think this guy's going to contribute? How do we feel about him? I don't know, but let's keep it. Keep it concise. Just want to go through the names again. Get excited. These guys deserve the excitement too. First on the list, Sunny Styles. Very excited for Sunny Styles. Yeah, I. My heart of heart says too deep, but there's a lot of safeties. A lot of safeties. A lot of older guys. So I'm gonna say special teams. Special teams. But he's gonna get he's in, gonna, he's gonna get into a couple of games. Yeah, he's gonna let her special teams. He, he's gonna be on the you know the Chris Olave track where he gets into a couple of games, make a crazy play, and we're like, yep, this guy's a stud, and we can't wait till next year where he's a starter. But I don't think he, I don't think he gets on the two deep like consistently yeah. this year. And um, I, I think so that teams, I think it would be <clears throat> best case scenario if he gets some playing time. Contributes on special yep. teams. You know, he's got the athleticism to do some different things. Maybe you use him in some special packages. And then next year you get to see all of it get pieced together. Yeah, the one thing that's going to be a little hard for him, though, and I think he's talented enough to do it, is it's like – you want to say, you know, he get in into he gets on the field in some of those bye games, but with him not being an early enrollee, that means and essentially the summer and three four weeks of camp, he needs to be prepared to be able to play in the second or third game of the season, and that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. Everything I've heard, he's a smart kid and he's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, if anyone can do it, he can. Donovan Jackson did it. And I don't know that Donovan Jackson, obviously different positions, but I don't know if Donovan Jackson is a much better prospect than him. Yeah, JT, JT is probably a better prospect, but he did it as well. So I think it's possible. Yeah, so I'm going to say Spectacles guy gets into some blowouts, makes one or two plays that just has a like. A salivating at the mouth. Yeah, and I, I know JT's different too because that uh, defensive ends just tend to rotate more than safeties do. So that, that's a big part of it. Uh, 
Plus, he's just so big and athletic. Like, it's really hard to keep that off the field. Both of them, honestly, styles as well. But it's just a different position. You need some more refinement before you can really fully trust a guy at safety. 100%. All right, we'll do these two as a pair because they play the same position. Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor, elite defensive line recruits. Larry Johnson saying, hey, I'm not done yet. Uh, I I mean, if they were early in release, I'd be very much bullish in making a prediction. I mean, even pre-show, you said if these guys were early in release, they would have told Zach Harrison to go to the draft. Uh, so I feel, I mean, I don't think they're going to play early. I think they will get some fun snaps in the Arkansas State game, the other games. They might even be able to, like, keep their red shirt, honestly. But it all, to me, them getting on the field all depends on how well the older guys play and how immediate they take to the coaching and the physicality of the college game. Yeah, I think I think their ceiling is the Tyleek Williams plan and the instance that they get into some games, they flash. They don't redshirt, but like when the games get serious, they take less uh they, they take less snaps. I think that they are I think they're both redshirt guys. And they're not redshirt guys talent. There's just way too many old guys in the room. Yeah. You know, like you still have Haskell. Or not Haskell. Know, you still have Jerron Vincent, you still have uh, Jerron Cage, you still have Zach Harrison, you have John Baptiste, um, you you ha- and then I mean JT and Jack are going to get so many snaps. Caden uh, has had a hell of a spring, and I know you rotate and I know you play guys, but I just don't see. Yeah, getting to seven or eight guys is like that's asking to get a lot of guys in the game. And they could be nine or ten on the yeah. roster, but I don't know that they're going to be six, seven, or eight, which is where they're really going to need to be to get consistent snaps. Um, yeah, and I and honestly, I'm kind of upset about that because I wish that some of the older guys would have left so that they could play. Yeah. Because I think we know what the older guys are, but like I think they're there and they're good. And I mean, I need to stop talking poorly on Zach Harrison because he's a great run defender. And I he's think a he's going to be a solid he a, Like uh, If yeah. he could just develop some more pass rush moves, like he could have a year, but that we've said yeah, that we've sure. said that for three years now. So, so I think I think they're the ceiling for one or both is Tyleek Williams. Um where again, flash, get some snaps, couple sacks, whatever, but then in the serious games, they don't play. But I do think both of them are like, you know, unless someone gets injured and they step in, I think both of them are redshirt guys. They play their four games and they redshirt. Yeah, which is good because that helps them continue and maintain their eligibility for future years and they still get the yeah. experience. But I I mean I, I agree. I think they play four games at most. I think they record some nice stats, get people excited for them, and then really get to come onto the scene behind Jack and JT the following year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next on the list, uh, Caleb Brown. Uh, the other Caleb of these receivers, him, Keon, uh, Kojo make up the class. We've got Kojo in a little bit. We could touch Caleb first, and then we'll just go to Kojo next. Uh, okay. Caleb is talented, a versatile guy, uh, a little stockier, not as really lengthy as Keon, not as really springy as Caleb Burden, but he just kind of – 
potentially has that all around slot receiver type build, you know, that Ohio State likes to have on occasion. Um, I, I don't think he'll play. I don't. It's not like he's done anything wrong or anything. I just think the room's incredibly deep. I, I think he's just behind too many bodies. And that's just, I mean, that's really it. It's not that he's like, I don't think it's a trajectory for his career, but that's just kind of, it's just one of those things at that position. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I agree 100%. I think that there's too many guys who have waited to contribute and who want to contribute for it really to to be a thing. I, I mean, you have you have um, Smith and Jigba. You have Julian Fleming. You have Emeka Egbuka who's waited. Um, it's just you have Marvin Harrison Jr. That's four there. And last year we really only played three and those guys are going to rotate. And then you have some other guys who are, who've been here in the spring and, and, and some things. So I agree. I don't, I don't know how much he plays. I think he, I think he may be a red shirt that doesn't even get the four games. You know, I don't know how many snaps he gets. So yeah. And it's not, it's like not his fault. It's just the situation yeah. more than anything. And I think that's the same with Coach Ant we as well at receiver. Yeah. Both exciting prospects still. I think they both bring a lot of different versatility to the room. I don't think they're cut from the mold we've been getting where it's at like six foot, six one, uh, long striders, you know, kind of bigger. I could go up for balls. Like, you know, the Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson builds. I think they're a little bit cut from a different mold, but I do think they will bring value in time. Yeah. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, so this is the question that I'll have, though. Um, there's always a guy who breaks out. And and gets on that Chris Olave Garrett Wilson path. Obviously, Jackson. Uh, obviously, Chris Olave did that. Obviously, Garrett Wilson did that. Jackson Smith and Jigba did that, and then just blew the waters out last year. Uh, I feel like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka both kind of did last that last year. year. Yeah. Uh, Which so freshman is it? Who could potentially be who that is guy? the guy this year? Uh, if we both, if we think it's both of them, then it has to be the other Caleb, right? Yeah. Uh, and is that just? Is he the better prospect in your eyes, or is it just essentially because he is the only one that came early? Well, you got Caleb and Keon early. Uh, I I don't think either of them will. Keon, Keon Graves was an early guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we had, we did have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, is it one of them, or do you not, or do we think we don't have? I, it this I year? honestly just think I think you made the point where we have so many guys who I have been wanting to contribute, who have waited to contribute. At there, there's already seven, eight deep right there. So I just don't really know where their opportunity comes for those moments without like some health situations. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's fair. And, Every guy that that's happened to, we had one guy. Yeah, we had like, two guys. We may potentially have four. Olave came up. The receivers were Johnny Dixon, uh, Terry McLaurin, Austin Mack, Ben Victor, like. Chris Olave brought a different skill set than those four guys and, like, really brought something different. I think in the room already established, you have kind of guys who are more, like, because that was the depth. That was those four guys and then Chris Olave. That was the depth. Like, this year you already have three starters. You have three guys right behind him who can potentially play. You've got 
Uh, I mean, you really have four starters. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, you, you have, have four, four starters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his name? Xavier Johnson had a really good camp. He's like an unheralded older guy. You have uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, always. Are, are you talking about the the captain? Yeah. Uh, oh God, this is. Are we both gonna play on his name? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. Uh, but re- oh, that's bad. the point isn't really the names. It's just you really have a situation where it's just not really conducive to a freshman breakout, honestly. Yeah, it's not the guy you're talking about, but we have Jaden Ballard, who we've yeah. had a lot of heard a lot of things about as well, who's supposed to be able to provide something. I mean, you have and the reason why I say you have four starters is you have two solid outside body guys built right and Julian and Marvin and then, and then you have the best wide receiver in the country Smith but and Jigba who's going to move and, all over the place right and then when he does take snaps outside you have your starting slot in a mecca and a can so play like inside have, outside as well so like right so you have your four starters and then you have your speed guy because supposedly Jaden ballard is like burner, yeah. super, stupid fast uh, and then like you said you have you know you have xavier johnson you have uh, i don't know why we're from it doesn't it start with the j um you know we, we just gotta look no. it up it's just disrespectful <laughs> yeah yeah, we have to say his name because he's a good guy. Yeah, um, it really. And as soon as, as soon as you say it, it's gonna because I'm. This is a weird you know, thing to say. Cameron Bab, Cameron Bab. Everyone listening to me, like Cameron Bab, Cameron Bab the whole time. And they're gonna be like, yeah, not getting right. it. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say like this is a weird thing to say, through. but like I'm picturing his mom because his mom always tweets about yeah. him and is like super proud of him. And it's like I'm picturing both of them, and it's like I know the name, I know what he looks like, I know like like I know him. We've just, just gone through so many names tonight. I think my memory bank just ran out of names. Like honestly, yeah. so I I agree. This could be a year that we don't get it, or we get it from a guy who we're still excited about. But it, but it's like more. We see more from a mecca. Yeah, or it could Jayden be like Jaden Ballard, Ballard. Who, still, who's on or two. Like, like be the guy who breaks out this year just because he's had the health yeah. issues. Like that. That's true, just something true, true. that could happen. There's going to be a breakout. There's going to be multiple breakout receivers because if there's not, we're in trouble. But uh, they might not be freshmen. All right, next on, That's fair. on the list, we got Tegra Tishabola. I, I like him. I don't think he's going to play. He's one of those guys coming in that we mentioned earlier who really could play four positions. Like, tweener, I, I, like we're going to learn a lot more about him after this first year. Yeah, um, he's the first guy that we disagree on. I, I Yeah, I mean, you, I I, he might get the two deep, but... I, well, I, I think he has to. I think he's – if he puts in the work and he comes in at the right way, all that stuff, right, I, guaranteed, I think he is the seventh best lineman on the roster. We have a starters. I'm not going to disrespect Josh Fryer. We've heard a lot of good things about him. But then who would you say yeah, – like, mean, who, who would you say is even in, in competition to be seventh or eighth? So, so I, I think Tishabola probably doesn't get the too deep. But I so we can go to the other offensive line. I think Kinsman might crack the too deep. I think he's that type of player. Yeah, but Tessa Bola is going to play tackle, which is where we need it. There's more competition in yeah. guard and center. And 
I, I, I think he gets it by being a, one of the only true tackles on the roster alone. I think he backs up DeJuan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could happen. I mean, I just, I just think he was a little bit more, if I remember. I mean, he was like a top 150 recruit, if I'm not mistaken. So he could come in and contribute yeah. immediately. I'll, I'll put it this way. He was the he was the no, he was one he was one twelve. I'll put it this way. If we had the room we want to have, he is he should have cracked the two yeah, right. But I think he's good enough that in the room we currently have, he's going to crack it. I think he's one of those guys that if we had the room we had last year, two years ago, or something like that, it's like this is a guy we're really excited for. I, I think he's okay. I'm rambling. I think if we had the regular line that we should have had, the depth we should have had, he's a ball practice guy. He's a guy that you just hear things throughout yeah. the, the summer. You hear things, good things. He never really cracks it. And then he bowl practice. It's like, okay, this guy may, you start to hear rumors that he may and start And he gives you a little year. confidence the, where we don't right. have it. But with the depth we have now, could, I think a he's a team yeah. guy. I think he's our fourth tackle. I think it's jo- I think it's the start to Paris, Dewan, Josh Fryer, and then Tegra at tackle. And I, that doesn't mean he's going to play a lot. If no one gets injured, he's not going to yeah, play. But I think he tracks the team. I, I, think, I think he'll definitely play in games, no question about it. I think he'll play in quite a bit of games. Any of the pay games he'll play in. Uh, if Ohio State takes care of business, obviously we have to say that still. But uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's. I, I mean, I always have trouble projecting offensive linemen, but yeah, I think True. you're right. So I, I'll, I'll 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 concede on this one for sure. Uh, uh, I, I mean, if he does, I'll be excited. So it's not like I'm going to be disappointed if he becomes a really good player. I don't think anyone should be. Uh, but like, oh no! Oh, oh no! He's so good! Oh man! Uh, I didn't want that for us. God damn it! I wanted uh, him to be. I wanted him to be a backup. Backup. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that could be fun. I think it would be fun if him and Hinsman and even Fitzpatrick came in and just sh- like like Fitzpatrick already being there. Like if they just kept leveling up throughout the year and just. Fry does his no, job. With that. Like if those, like, we're gonna see. I, I don't think Henry's gonna be ready for quite some time. But if three no, of these guys, I, I agree with that, could uh, come in and be productive, two deep guys. Like, like I'm not saying this year, but in like if Fitzpatrick does enough to develop into a two deep guy next year, if Tegra becomes a good enough player to become a starter next year, if Hensman becomes a two deep guy this year, like that's big time. Yeah, um, I agree with that 100%. I, I, we, we're back to agreeing. I think Avery Henry is going to take some time, although I do think he can be good, especially with Fry's development. Um, he was one of those guys think, that we mentioned, like, needs to fit. He was, like, 400 pounds and lost, like, yeah. 75 pounds. Yep. Yeah, I think he's going to be cool. Um the thing about Carson, I really, really like Carson. I like – I mean, first of all, he's – from Wisconsin, he's a good he's a good, good offensive lineman. From Wisconsin, you don't need to say anything else. You don't need to say anything else. Uh, the only thing I won't say worries because I'm never going to be worried. Like I, you don't need to start as a freshman. It's kind of better if you don't. The only thing that cautions me of saying I think he's going to be a two deep guy is I feel like we have four or five guards uh, unless unless Nick Vamahi is just garbage. Yeah, but I think he's one of those guys that we just had. I think. I think Vamahi could be another Matthew Jones, where it's just like, 
we just had guards and he's good. So I don't see so that's three solid guys right there. And I feel like we have another guy that I'm forgetting. So I don't There's know if he cracks it too deep because it's really it's a solid one group. spot. I, I think it's more me waiting like Hensman's talented. Like he's really good. Yeah. I think he's a two or three year starter. I don't think he cracks the two deep this year though. Unless he can play center. Yeah, then, then maybe he'd be on the technical two deep, but we all know Matt Jones would be the actual backup center. Right. Which then right. opens up him in the two deep on the guard side. So I there's I like there's not really a path for him to be a player this year that's consistent, but there is a path for him to yeah. build towards like getting on the field but early. He need to, isn't he light? Isn't he like 265, 270? Doesn't he he's a 285 guy? But, I mean, he's hopefully – Is that not light for guard? Hopefully – yeah, it is light for guard. Hopefully he's taken the time from when he was last measured at the All-American Bowl and put on the weight needed for the summer. Yeah. Because that's a big aspect of true. offensive linemen being ready to play and being able to get to the two deep and stuff. And yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, when I saw Avery Henry walking around at the spring game, like he looked the part. Like it's just can he develop and use that new body the way it needs to be used? That's the question. And what that leaves us with one guy left, Alan Hayden. He doesn't. Play. He doesn't play. And I, I, it's not that like. I don't. I think people can be excited about him. I think he's very. He he might like his story in this class to me right now is the guy no one talks about that ends up becoming like a really successful player, even if it's not in Ohio State. Honestly. Yeah. Um. I. I. The reason, and I don't. I wasn't trying to be dismissive of him. It's just the reason I say he doesn't play. We have three really good running backs, and there are already people who don't think you can play three running backs. We've went over how you can play it. We even projected snaps, but there's not snaps for a fourth guy (laughs) unless it's just like a stupid, stupid blowout. And even then, you're still going to give those to Evan Pryor first, and then Mark. No, Marcus Pryor is the third. Yeah, Marcus Crowley. If Marcus Crowley's not healthy, then like Dallin Hayden will get those fourth ones, which means he'll probably get like thirty carries next year. But but he he's a redshirt guy, and you know running backs. Not that you just entirely want to limit their snaps, but if, if you don't need to play him, you don't. Yeah. I think you give him a year. Just let him build. And the, the biggest thing with running backs is that pass protection too. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that takes a while to develop. And he's a little bit on the slider side, and I think he'll have to take that one-year Evan Pryor approach to just really taking the weight room seriously as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it, it's not – yeah, there's some players on here that I, I don't think, like, we want to be dismissive of them. Like, Caleb Brown, I'm not dismissing his talent at all. Like, Kojo Antley, it's just – there's just some positions where it's like there's realistically not a lot of opportunity there to go around. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how much this means, but on the official Ohio State roster, they have Carson Hensman at six four two eighty, and on the official Ohio State roster, they have Avery Henry at six six three oh five. I mean, uh, we'll probably. I, mean, I still once don't they think get Avery there, Henry's ready to. We'll get their official yeah. weight. So. I still don't think Avery he, size size be damned. I don't think he's ready to play. Yeah. And most offensive His line body aren't. just went but that through way too much of a transformation for it to just be like yeah. seamless. I think he's a two year guy. I think he's a he's one of those starts guys as a junior or redshirt sophomore. You, and then you can honestly like think if he just sticks around, like he's one of those guys who will take the time and like 
start his senior year, take his fifth year senior year, and be an NFL guy. Like that's like yeah. not an unrealistic possibility for him. Not at all. Not at all. I'm a fan. I mean, we couldn't be so we couldn't be so high on um, Justin Fry without without believing in a guy he's recruited yeah. and, and who he, he kept in his class and stuff. So. Um, Yep. I think we have a couple of a couple of guys who are gonna contribute. Um but yeah, I, I think that uh Yeah, Styles uh, unsurprisingly is probably most likely to con well no, he's probably who do you think is most likely to contribute uh, on this list? Probably it might be tech in my opinion, it may be Tegra. I think it's I, I was gonna lean towards defensive lineman just because maybe like hero. Hmm. But yeah, I don't. I mean, there's depth there, but I don't know if there's like. I think there's more opportunity for him to see some snaps early. Oh yeah, the big thing with Hero though is we haven't really seen Mike Hall. Play. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm not even even Mike Hall will probably get more playing time this year. So yeah. it's like if he's the third, if he's third on either the one tech or three tech, he's going to play a bit. So that's I facts. think Mike that's Hall facts. is probably in the two deep on one of the two. So. He should be. If he's not, I'll be shocked. Because you be got, hurt. oh, you got what? Teron, Jerron, uh, Ty Leak, Ty Leak. So then Mike would have to be that next guy. Yeah. And and Ty Leak plays the one, so Mike should play the three. Yeah. So was I think it's his natural position anyway. Yeah, so he so should be there. there. Should be there. Should be space. There should be somewhere for him to get in. And that's why I think I think defensive tackle is one where I'm just like. Like looking in the spring, I was like, I'm not excited about this position. Really, like, I, I don't, I'm not oh. disappointed in it, but I think there's some room for them to get. Uh, that's that's why I just want Tyleek and Mike to play. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so we ran for about an hour and a half right now. I think we got time to answer one of these two. Uh, the NIL conversation is going to go on for a while. I was really intrigued. I think we could spend our last final thoughts on. The has Ryan Day actually overachieved question you proposed at the beginning, like pre-show, uh, which I at first was like, yeah, did he overachieve? Eh, I mean, he's done really well. I don't know if it's an achievement or underachievement or overachievement. But then you made some points. And if you want to get us started on this question, uh, let's take it away. Close out the show. Yeah, so a lot of people... A lot of people are harsh on Ryan Day, myself included, just because there's some things that we didn't like, coaching staff, that kind of stuff. But um, the reason why I was thinking about has he overachieved, right? Think about Ohio State. Think about the things that we talk about Ohio State, right? This entire year that we've been doing this podcast, I'm just going to run down the list. We've talked about how not good the 2018 class was. We talked about how not good the 2019 class was. Uh, we talked about all the linebackers who transferred because they weren't good. Uh, bad coaches, which I understand part of that is on Ryan Day. He made some mistakes with some coaching hires, whatever, right? And then we can say all this stuff about the draft. We can say all this stuff about players. But we looked at where the players transferred, and 90% of them, if not all of them, took a step down. None of them none of them went on that Alabama, USC, you know, Georgia-type thing. So that shows where other people in the transfer for portal see that saw their talent. But then you look at the draft, we have six or seven guys taken. Sure, you have two great wide receivers. That's fine. That's great. That's beautiful, perfect, whatever. But nobody in the second round for like the first time ever. Um, we, we have the majority of the, I mean, our starting, our four-year starting tackle is a seventh-round pick. Our 
three-year starting tackle is a fourth or fifth round pick. You know, the tight end we never used is our third highest pick in the third round. And that's that's just about everybody right there, right? You look at starters, like guys who started for us. Tyreek was that, a late in pick. Cases, Tyreek, you know what I mean? And, and he got picked off a draft. Like, like Haskell Garrett was a guy for us. He was a leader that we didn't expect him on. He's undrafted. So, and last year's draft class wasn't amazing. And then you look at next year's draft class, and yeah, you have CJ, right? You have, but he's a young guy. He was a young guy last year. You have Jackson. He's a young guy. But think of all the old guys on this roster. Well, out of question marks. Is that going to be something, right? Jerron, Teron, like all these guys who are supposed to be those studs. So, yeah. The reason why I said it has you overachieved is just, it's just like the things that, like, he, Bill Landis. It, it's funny. Again, I, let me add something. For, like, a lot of his issues were self inflicted. But for him to still win the way he has the last three years, incredible feat. I won't even say that they're self inflicted because he didn't, like, the only one was really a lot Combs, of the guys honestly. on the ro- Yeah. A lot of the guys on the roster were. F- because uh, they're older guys, they were they're um, before he got he took older over. Guys. Yeah, and I wonder. Uh, so I just want to read this. This is part of the thing that made me. Um, this is one of the reasons that made me start to think of this a little bit. So. Bill Landis says Ohio State has six players selected in the 2022 NFL draft. Actually, I'm sorry. This confirmed it because he wrote this today. And when did I say like Monday or Tuesday? I put in the chat that I had a story idea. So I've been thinking about this for a while. And then Bill Landis wrote this today. Ohio State has six players selected in the 2020 draft. The lowest number, the fewest since 2015. Um, Right. So since... Uh, since 2016, we've had 61 players selected. It's an average of nine players, right? 18 of the nine, 18 of the 61 have been first round picks. 43 of the 61 have come off in the first three rounds or the first 100 picks. So we can we can do some very, very quick math. Um 43 divided by 61. So over 70% of players have been in the first three rounds. So you average nine a year, 73% of them have been in the first three rounds. And then you get to this draft and you only get six guys, which is under. You only get three guys in the first three rounds and all of them are on offense and one of them we didn't use. So you really yeah. only get two guys. None of the defensive guys are drafted. Half of them are undrafted and it's like, okay. But we made it to... We made it to the championship yeah. game. And the worst year, I mean, we have no, we had no Chase Young. We had no stud corner. We Dear. had no stud safety linebacker. Like, has he overachieved? Yeah, I there mean, has been urban a rebuild in recruiting, absolutely. And I think we're starting to see it. This, like, this is Ryan Day's third year. So it's fully, it's almost fully a roster. I don't think there's going to be a single. Urban Meyer hold over on the roster this year. Like, and if so, very minimal because Zach Harrison was in Ryan Day's first class as head coach. So, like, even some of the oldest guys. But like, that, that's an urban class because yeah. he, he got that job. Built it and he just had, had to finish, finish it. Yeah. So, so Ryan Day's first class is the CJ Stroud. It's the guys yeah. that are turning that are in the good that are Going it's the guys who are eligible to go pro now. CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Paris Johnson, those and guys. And next year we're gonna see an even 
bigger uptick because we're going to have quite a few more defensive players. And I think you're starting to see the trend go back up for draft picks because the talent and the coaching is going to be better. And I think, I think uh, it's, it's hard to call two big 10. Like last year he under, I, I don't know if he underachieved with the defense. I think he achieved exactly what like hindsight being 2020, the expectation would be with the 120th ranked defense in the country. But, like, the first two years, I think, you know, you bring in Justin Fields, you kind of have decent linebacker. Like, it was definitely a team built for 2017 and not 2021. Yeah, I mean, because the guys that we're talking about have been the starters there. I mean, NPF and Thayer were starters for two or three years, <laughs> yeah. right? Um they barely got drafted. Uh, who else were you know? You had Wyatt Davis, so that's a good, that's a good pick. Yeah, but, I'll be, like, um, if we're being one hundred percent honest, it feels like since the Dwayne Haskins year, the defense has been being rebuilt. And you had a really successful year with Chase Young, Jeffrey Akuda, Damon Arnett. But outside, that was more like we've seen that. That's more of an outlier. Yeah. And and again, and, and this is not a I'm not trying to crap on Evan Meyer, that's kind of stuff, but we're talking about it. His first true class, his first true class, none of them are draft eligible. So everybody on this roster that's draft eligible is an urban class. Because yes, that was his first year, but he got that job in December and had to save it. And you could and you could say, like, yes, he recruited some of those guys. But he recruited the the offensive guys, yeah. right? Like he like he's not heavily involved, if at all, in the defensive recruiting, which is really the biggest and issue. And so it's like in the defense of like Al Washington and some of those defensive coaches who came in, they were filling in for Tavir Johnson, uh, Bill yep. Davis, uh, which is oh my the God. list goes uh, on. And like Al Washington did a good job with the players he got. Like he like credit to where it's due with the Portland, the job. Werner, that team, and. You know, this past year, it was a tough job. And, like, we know there was infighting with the coaches, like, respect this, respect that sort of issues. Uh, with the defense last year, I don't think anything – What I don't. there was no chance Ohio State won a national championship last year. Hindsight 2020, obviously. But now you're starting to see the team coming fully together, coaching staff to players in Ryan Day's vision and – this the years three through five we're really going to see what type of program Ryan Day's building. Yeah, and I'm not so sold on this that you could not tell me he hasn't overachieved, and I'm like gonna fight you over it. I just think if you look at it in the lens, the like the data you look at, you look at it in the lens. The players who transferred, the schools that they went to, the players who went to the draft, where they got drafted, the draft numbers. The, even the projection of the 2023 draft. And again, if you look at the projection, who are we talking about potentially being first-round picks? CJ Stroud, Ryan Day guy. Jackson Smith and, Dig- and Jigba, Ryan Day guy. Paris Johnson Jr., Ryan. Like, none, like it's none of the old – it's not Teron. I mean, maybe it's Zach Harrison because he's just a physical freak and so someone may draft him off talent alone. But it's not off production. Yeah. It's not Jerron Cage. Um it's not. I mean, it's not Matthew Jones, but like, he's a guard, so whatever. Really. But none of the defensive guys. DeJuan you know Jones what I mean? is like, a maybe in the first round, probably more second, third round pick. Yeah. So it's just again, I'm not. 
so sold on it that like I'm going to sit here and fight over it. But I think it's interesting. It's not like when we say overachieve, we're like, this guy took an F roster and was an A+. plus. It's more like a B minus he maybe should to like in the national championship. Yeah, yeah, he maybe shouldn't have been in the national championship. And if he was not as good of a coach, maybe we, maybe we win less than Plus, ten games. Like when you have quarterbacks like Dwayne Haskins, when you have quarterbacks like Justin Fields, when you have quarterbacks like CJ Stroud, they cover up a lot of issues. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm not trying position, to play revisionist history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to play revisionist history. So I, this is a genuine question, and you obviously you know this, but feel free to disagree with me. Looking at everything in hindsight, the quarterback, the receivers, the defense, the coaches, where players got drafted, the drama with the transfers, all that kind of stuff. Was do you truly believe that last year was a ten to one roster? I honestly with everything going on. Cannot look at that defensive coaching staff and think, man, this team and how CJ Stroud started the season and kind of how the offensive line played in tough games and think, man, this was a 10 win team. Like, talent wise, absolutely should have been a, an 11, 12 win team. Like, when you look at the recruiting rankings and stuff, but when you look at how it came together, how the coaches on defense utilized the players and talent, how un the development, yeah, the, the drama. The, like. There was literally zero development from 2020 COVID year to 2021. And that's the reason a lot of us were like, you got to give Combs his chance to like have a normal offseason, a normal year, see what he does. And then you come back and have even worse problems the following year. That's – it's just really yeah. – And like it, it, it is – like I said, quarterback play, elite offensive talent can really change games. Like Nebraska, if we're being honest, was better than like most of their players were better than Ohio State's players that day. Ohio State just had Jackson Smith and Jigba and Chris Olave and CJ Stroud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, hey, Ohio like State season last year love- was closer to Oklahoma season than it was to Alabama season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I know fans don't always interact with us. We have a couple that definitely do. But if you've made it this far in the podcast, I would love to hear your opinion on it. I, I really want you to think about it and think about the stuff we said and and ask yourself, has he underachieved? I mean, every all the best players on the defense are three years and under. JT, Jack, Ty League, Denzel Burke, like I mean, except I mean Jordan Jordan Fuller's a stud, but like he's injury prone. Uh, Cam, Cameron Brown's a stud too. So, I, I, but but they're not the best players. They're just good players. Yeah. So, I mean, none of them are first round. You know, they're not. Yeah. They're not Jeff Okuda. Like Ronnie you know Pickman's I mean? not, not going to be a first round pick, no matter like how good he plays. Like number one safeties aren't valued no. that way. Number two, which is yeah, and I agree. I think it, like a like last year was probably a B plus. Right for an Ohio State standard, probably actually a C because they lost to Michigan. But really, it could have been an F. Ohio State standards wise, it really could have. I mean, because an eight and four, an eight and four year at Ohio State is an F, and we could have lost. I mean, again, revisionist history, but like, let's let's think about it. Do we beat Minnesota if uh, Ibrahim? I mean, he I was think he's killing still us. Because I think we were but winning. We were in the lead at the time, but were we? Yeah, I think it was thirty-one twenty-four when he got hurt. But okay, it, so okay, so maybe. But he was killing us. So I mean, closer. we could have lost the Minnesota. We could have lost to Tulsa. Um, 
we could have lost to Penn State. <laughs> like we were very close to losing to Penn State. Um, Nebraska kept it close for a long time. Yeah. Obviously, Oregon and Michigan so already could've... beat Ohio State. And I mean, Ryan Day with the, less talented coach, we could have easily. We literally saw Ryan Day have to be like, "Hey, we got to change some stuff up defensively. I have to coach defense this week because we suck so bad." Like that is not. And granted, the head coach is involved in the defense, but as an offensive philosophy and offensive-minded coach, he does not want to spend extra unnecessary time on the defense. Yeah, you ask him. He's not involved in the defense. That's why you got a head coach on the yeah, defense. That's why you got Jim Knowles. Yeah. Uh, and it's best. Like, if you're a coach, stick to what you're good at. And I think that is my lesson I'm leaving you all with. Know your role, excel in your role, and you'll be happy. Yeah. My lesson is maybe Ryan Day is overachieved, but at the end of the day, I think we should appreciate him for the coach that he is. And what's what's coming. I think he's building towards his vision of the program. Yeah, I mean, we, we're going to get a national championship. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah, just, I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I would just love if Nick Saban retired at a time when Ohio State is building towards that level. God, that would be nice. Yeah, because I want to say it's going to be this year because we have the best quarterback in the country, and that's helped teams like Clemson. But it's just so hard. It's I mean, Georgia's going to be good. Bama's going to be good. Yep, it'll be fun. It's going to be a fun year. We're getting closer. We're in May, uh, September, four months away. Uh, it'll be here before you know and that's that's what I got uh, you guys can follow me on social media Twitter specifically at Chris Rooney CFB and you can follow the show at Buck Off Pod I'm always tweeting from both um, and where can we find you Jordan you can find me on Twitter at JordanW330 and again if you've made it this far I would love to hear your opinion on this even if it's yelling and calling me an idiot but I think if you really think about it even if you don't agree maybe you'll understand where I'm coming from so JordanW330 and go Bucks. Go Bucks.